I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to our best of Christmas show. Looking back with Rush and looking forward with Clay and Buck. This is Buck in NYC as the, uh, unfortunately, the COVID panic is surging all around us. The virus is surging all around New York City, as well as the whole Northeast and a lot of parts of the country. We're going into 2022 here, and we're six months basically on the air here on the Clay and Buck Show. And we really mean it uh, from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you all for listening, for giving us a chance. We know what we were stepping into here. Um, We know how much respect and and how much uh, gravitas this position deserves because of what Rush turned it into over the course of decades. And I've been saying to people, and it sort of sticks, no one can fill Rush's shoes, but so I just figured I'll try to fill one and Clay will try to fill the other and we'll do the best we can. And you've given us a shot and we really do appreciate the response you've had because you know we're here for the mission. I'm here for the mission every day. Right. Clay and I are going after it, trying to spread the truth, trying to defend freedom in this country and to speak for a lot of you, millions of you, literally millions of you across the country who don't have a radio show, but share our beliefs, share our principles and know how important these fights are. And to that end, we have to understand this as a strategy. We are in a battle for the future of this country and we need to do. A lot more than just talk about what's going wrong with the left. People say, well, what can we do? How do we how do we change things? I mean, sure, the communists want to ruin things, but how do we make everything better? Well, one way is to build our own platforms and systems and support each other. Every time you listen to the show, every time you and by the way, I am a capitalist. So I say this unabashedly every time you check out and support one of our sponsors, you're voting in favor of what we talk about, the principles views and values of this show every day every phone call every purchase everything you do every time you tell somebody about it but the right needs to do more than just what has existed in the past and we view this clay and i here on this show as as honestly a a sacred obligation to conservatism and to america to use this incredible i've said the unsinkable aircraft carrier of free speech 
uh, to try and help others also in the fight to, to build out. You know, I I'm somebody one of the knocks on me in the business has been I don't view other conservatives as competitors. I view them as allies and people along the way. So that's why you don't hear. I don't trash other conservatives. I don't go after them. And people along the way have given me tremendous help. None more so than 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 Rush, but also Glenn Beck was enormously helpful to me in the early days. Always thankful to Glenn for that, giving me my my first real shot and then Rush giving me my first real break. So we want to build out more. Rush understood this. Rush agreed with this. I want to play for you what he said. It's going to be a a, a little bit of a a longer uh, segment here. I want I want you to hear what Rush said in June of 2020 about creating what we could call a conservative media mothership here and expanding it out and how we can win the future with it. Here's what he said. Many of you might remember the former guest host on this program, Buck Sexton of the CIA. Buck uh, has been on a tweet storm and had to put it in one of those uh, one of those uh, thread apps because there's so many tweets. Uh, And he's ticked off. At, at how conservative everything has just given up, has just seeded the country, seeded Hollywood, seeded music, seeded television, <clears throat> seeded the media, seeded everything. Doesn't understand it. If one of the conservative billionaires out there has any stomach for saving their country from this mob... They should buy and flip a major media platform or fund a new one and make it an unsinkable aircraft carrier of true free speech. And I get this a lot. I've had this question of why doesn't some wealthy conservative come along and buy CBS or ABC or anything else? I don't know. I have no idea. I happen to know that a bunch of people who have bought networks are not flaming leftists and they never do anything to change the news networks that are part of the corporations that they have purchased. Uh, Buck Sexton continues, we are completely outgunned in the platform wars, and it's only getting worse. All the major social media and streaming content companies are part of the liberal Death Star. Stop sending checks to think tanks that overpay second-tier scholars to churn out policy papers that five people read. He's thinking about people like Bill Kristol and Jonah Goldberg and uh, the Never Trepper contingent, who at one time or another have worked at think tanks where they have sought your donation on the basis that they and they alone are carrying the conservative banner into battle, when in fact most people never heard of them. It doesn't even have to be, he says, this new enterprise doesn't even have to be conservative in mission. It would soon become dominated by conservatives, though, if it adamantly refused to censor speech to the woke mob. The left can no longer debate like sane people, but they don't have to. They just point, scream, and cancel. Meanwhile, I know ultra-wealthy conservatives who are terrified of anybody finding out what their politics are. Because to be accepted among the elites... You have to at least allow those around you to believe that you're woke and lib. And by the way, I can confirm that. I have, over the course of my career, I have met and been introduced to some of the wealthiest conservatives I didn't even, I didn't even know they existed in real estate and high finance in California, in whatever business in New York. 
And the last thing they ever wanted anybody to know was their politics. Some of them didn't want anybody to know that they supported George W. Bush. And I remember scratching my head, said, why? What? What? They said, well, you know, Bush is stupid. It's an embarrassment. I, 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 I have a tough time explaining it, but that wasn't it. That was just a, a convenient excuse. They valued their social status more than their uh, political portfolio. He says all of this adds up to a massive cultural failing of the right. And where are the older leaders in conservative media building up the next generation? Folks on our side seem obsessed with their own brands, protecting their turf, which is a small slice of the media landscape. We need more voices with serious platforms that we control. Here again, I know exactly what he's talking about. There was a, there was a seminal moment. Now, you may not agree with this. There was a seminal moment with the passing of William F. Buckley, Jr., now, William F. Buckley Jr. had retired years before he passed away, but he was the quote-unquote father of the intellectual conservative movement. And the thing that Buckley had the ability to do was anoint and, and grant approval to newly arrived young conservatives. And he did. And he... He uh, bestowed upon them credibility that resulted from him. He had that kind of credibility. He had that kind of juice that if somebody new came along, he wasn't threatened by their existence. His uh, his National Review Empire. He didn't he didn't think, oh my God, I gotta I gotta protect this. This guy could overtake me. He didn't think that way. He was truly a a movement guy. But when he passed away. All that ended. And what happened, what replaced Buckley, <clears throat> was a battle that's still raging over the smartest conservative in the room. And who is it? And who gets to decide it? And there isn't, there isn't a conservative movement that has a force leader individual who is attempting to encourage younger members and even the younger members don't seem to have much of an ambition. The joke around Washington today among young conservatives is if they can get a Fox News gig and a book deal, they consider their careers to have been made. There's enough money and enough prestige there to say they've made it. Well, what's not included in a Fox News deal and a book, a Fox News gig and a book deal? No persuasion. No expanding the universe. No expanding a movement. That's what Buck Sexton, formerly the CIA, is talking about here. Where are the older leaders in conservative media who are welcoming and building up the next generation? We have people more concerned with protecting their own brands and their own turf, which individually these conservatives we're talking about are so tiny and small that nobody knows they are anyway. We need more voices. And we need more encouragement for those voices. But at the same time, uh, the the young arrivals are not completely immune from the from the problem. You know, book deal and a Fox News gig, and that's the definition of making it. And <clears throat> they the two do go together, but it it is not the kind of stuff that a building growing 
planting deep roots kind of movement is based on. He says, when I first got into media, this is Buck Sexton here, formerly of the CIA. When I first got into media, I thought our side would be like pro sports. Generally, the veterans would want to bring up the rookies as part of the natural order to help the team win. Conservative media is more like warring cartels. Many of the big names just want to stamp out the upstarts. And Buck Sexton, formerly of the CIA, says, I know you could say that's just business, but this is supposed to be about more than that. And in fact, some big names out there pretend that the fame and the money don't matter at all. It's just the cause. And they build brands on that premise to their audience, and they're full of it. Our side is losing right now. We have the left on a mad cancel spree. Nobody is safe from it. The Supreme Court is a liberal super legislature. Corporate America is in radical left back pocket. We're hoping Trump pulls off a miracle this fall, but what if he fails? Whoever wins this fall, we're still going to be living in a country where you'll be tweeting, you're going to be Facebooking, you'll be Amazon priming, YouTubing, Instagram posting, Netflix watching, Hulu streaming, based on the curated tastes and activism of the left. We lose if this continues. Full stop. And honestly, writes Buck Sexton, formerly of the CIA, if we don't do something about this, we deserve to lose. Who thought that it was a sustainable plan to just cede 90% of the media, 90% of Hollywood, academia, and now corporate America to this woke mob? We need to build conservative media motherships right now. This, my friends, is our conservative media mothership. Rush is the one who built it, and we will continue to fly it do the best we can, fight for those causes. And, of course, as Rush was talking about that older generation bringing up the young guns, mentoring, teaching, building, that was Rush. That's what he did for me. That's what he's done for so many others. So I thought you should hear that. What's our mission? The conservative media mothership in 2022 that builds up conservatives, that holds politicians to account, including on our side, and tries to win the fight for this country. That is our mission, and we take it directly, as you heard there, from Rush himself. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton, a new form of broadcast excellence inspired by Rush on the EIB Network. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts 
of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sal in Eastern PA. Sal, you're a speech and debate coach. That's right. I coach at Notre Dame High School in Eastern Pennsylvania. And when you talked about competing for Regis, uh, we've competed against you a couple times in some regional tournaments. Yeah, how'd we do? Uh, I've had some uh, decent winners. Okay. Um, All right. We'll take so, it. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, so you're saying you're, oh, it's important to believe in your kids. Oh, absolutely. I, I stress that all the time with my students. I always give them positive reinforcement, and I always help them wherever they need the help. And I always tell them, you keep doing what you need to do, and eventually good things will happen for you. All true. Sal, good luck to you, even against the Regians. Thanks for calling in, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, look, I think it, it always irks me a little bit when I see that the single, you know, the most widespread fear that people have is of public speaking. This is what they always say. I mean, how do you really even gauge? Right now, the most widespread fear is obviously you know, Omicron and COVID. But in general, the most widespread fear that people have in this country, the most common fear is public speaking. And I mean, I just think that that's I, I think that that's a, a huge indictment of our school system in general. I think that people should all you know, you've got to stand up and communicate with your classmates, with your teachers. And this needs to be regular. People need to become comfortable with communication with their, you know, their fellow people. I mean, this just this is something that I think we had a speech class. By the way, I was told a fascinating story here. And, and I want all of you to understand something. We have the we have a, the rush team with us here on the Clay and Buck show. So it's like we have the the Jedi masters of the EIB for the last 20 years here with us. Producers Greg, Ali, Mike, they stayed with us for this new chapter and it just makes everything we do here better. It means we have an institutional knowledge about Rush and the EIB and what he stood for that is always present for us. Whenever I ask a question, they can say, Ali and Mike, they say, oh, seven years ago, I remember when Rush was talking about that. I mean, it's incredible the recall they have and what they bring to the show every day. Clay and I have the best team in radio. We really believe that. And it's, it's Rush's team that's decided to stay with us for this next iteration of the show. Um, and I would also I was just told by producer Ali here in New York uh, that Rush, he failed speech, you could say failed speech class in college twice. Think about this. The greatest radio broadcaster of his generation of all time failed speech twice in college. So, you know, if you're if your kids having a little bit of a tough time, your college age, you know, son or daughter is having a tough time with public speaking, just let them know. That, you know, the greatest of all time was told by his college professor for speech class that he failed. And it didn't even get like a C. He failed 
And it was because he didn't want to structure it out. That's not how he worked. Ali told me it was because, and Rush spoke about this on the air, it was because he wanted to just do it, right? He just wanted to, didn't want to outline it, right? He just wanted to do it. Like, he wasn't going to do a whole outline beforehand because he had a gift and he just wanted the gift to do its thing. I mean, this is what you see ends up happening. So it's like I said, it's like that speech coach who called in for all the parents out there, especially given what we've gone through in schools for the last 18 months and all the remote learning and being away from other kids and the masking. Stay with your kids. Believe in your kids. They will surprise you with what they're able to do, even if they're struggling right now. And, you know, I feel like I'm proof of it. Rush was proof of it. There's so many of us who overcame stuff. You're listening to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network. This is the Best of Christmas Show. Looking back with Rush and looking forward with Clay and Buck. Welcome back in. Play Travis Buck Sexton Show. We got a guest already on the line with us. He is Super Bowl winning coach dick vermeil who has got a story coming out a movie great fantastic movie that i've already watched american underdog about kurt warner and the st louis rams team that won the super bowl coach vermeil i'm excited to talk with you when i watched this movie and full disclosure i'm a titans fan so i liked everything but the ending uh but when i watched this movie i i couldn't help thinking this is a perfect example of how truth is truly stranger than fiction. Because if you tried to sketch out this movie, there's no way anyone would believe it was remotely possible that a guy who's stocking shelves in an Iowa grocery store would end up the MVP of the league, the rookie of the year, and would win a Super Bowl. When you look back on it now, I know when you're in the middle of it, it can feel, it can feel crazy and wild. But does it seem like a remarkably improbable story to you watching even yourself? As you said, you've seen it three times when you watch the story of what happened in that season. Yeah, you know, I still shake myself when I walk out. Like you said, I've seen it three times. Each time I see it, I like it better because it makes me think more about the whole process. You know, they they didn't include his very first year with us as the third quarterback coming out of the Arena League because the movie would have been too long. And they yeah. did a great job of condensing it. But each time I've looked at it, I go back at, you know, first off, it had never happened before. And secondly, it will probably never happen again. And he made it happen. But the, it's more than a story about a quarterback. It's a life story. Yes. Struggle. Both, you know, both husband and wife and the, the, and the whole process. And so I, I think it, it'll stimulate people emotionally because they'll be able to relate to some period in their life. They went through something, maybe not as drastic, but pretty close to it. And they battled through it and made it, or they didn't make it and had to take a different avenue. So I, I think there's something for everybody. It's far more than a football story. For people out there who don't know this story, let me give them a quick synopsis. You are the head coach of the St. Louis Rams in the NFL. Right. You have got right. Trent second Green. Year there. Yeah. Second year there. You've got Trent Green as your starting quarterback. The expectation mm-hmm. is that Trent Green, you got a lot of talented people uh, that are Hall of Fame caliber or Hall of Fame guys like Isaac Bruce, like, Marsh- uh, uh, like Marshall Falk on your team. Trent Green right. has a devastating knee injury in the preseason, right. and suddenly in comes Kurt Warner, 
who had been playing in the Arena Football League, who had gone to a small school in Iowa, and who was in his upper 20s, and it had appeared maybe football had passed him by. So that's the background. So I want to ask you this about Kurt Warner. How did you come to end up with Kurt Warner on your team? Who convinced you to take him? And did you believe that he could be a starting quarterback in the league? Well, first off, he was recommended to me by a coach that I knew from California. He had been the coach at San Diego State. Anyway, I knew him, and he had been recommended to me, Charlie Armory, our personnel director, and John Becker, our college scout director. And we brought him in for a workout. Now, this was the year before the Super Bowl team, because he was actually there a full year coming out of the Arena League as our third quarterback. And we went, once we signed him, we worked him out, liked him, and it wasn't a dazzling workout, but we needed depth. So we signed him and sent him to uh, Europe to play in the NFL Europe League. And he played 10 games over there, and he played well. Then he came back, and he became our third quarterback for 16 games. He didn't play in a game until the last game of the season when we were getting beat. We put him into the fourth quarter. I think he threw the ball 10, 10, 15 times and completed four. That was it. Then we make him our second quarterback coming into my third year at the Rams, his second year. And we, but we have signed Trent Green as a uh, free agent to be our starting quarterback and built what we thought was going to be a real good football team, probably a playoff team around him. Well, he gets hurt in the preseason game, and lo and behold, we go with Kurt Warner. We all thought could, Kurt could play from having watched him as our third quarterback throw the ball against our uh, defensive team in preparation for our next opponent. You know, and he threw the ball well, but you always say when you walk off the field, well, he's, you know, it's not game day. There's not 80,000 people in the stands. He probably couldn't play this well in a regular game. Wrong. We were wrong. So all of a sudden, he's our starter going into the first game of the season against the Ravens. And, and from then on, he wrote his own story. He wrote his own story. No quarterback in the history of the league started out like he did. He threw three touchdowns in the first game, three touchdown passes in the second game, three touchdown passes in the third game, five touchdown passes in the fourth game, one touchdown pass in the sixth game, three more in the next game. No one has ever done that. 18 touchdowns, three pass pass interceptions in the first six games. No one had ever done that the first time starting a football. So about that time, you know, we said, you know something? (laughs) This guy's special. He's got it. And uh, he went on and played us so well, he carried us into the Super Bowl and then won it. He was the MVP in the Super Bowl. Never happened before. It'll probably never happen again. What makes deciding whether a guy can be a good quarterback so hard? Well, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's observation with me. I always go on what I see, not so much what I think other people think or sometimes what other people see. I've just been lucky, and I've gone on what I see. And my hunches and my gut feelings about watching people when they compete and they compare. So I would say he just, he, first off, I'm not bright enough to say I could predict he was going to do what he did. But I thought he would play, and I thought he would play well. This movie is coming out uh, for Christmas. There have been early previews that are already out. American Underdog. You've watched it three times. I've watched it as well. It's a tremendous family movie. Kurt and his wife, Brenda, have a tremendous relationship between the two of them. For people out there, I know you've got kids and grandkids yourself. 
What do you think families can take from the story of Kurt and Brenda Warner and the rise to a Super Bowl championship? There's football in this story, but it's about a lot more than football. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a story of persistence, story of deep belief and faith in yourself, a story and commitment to meet a life's dream, and, and you know, a, a tremendously deep belief in what you thought you could do. And he would not allow, Kurt would not allow anybody to write him off. They tried to write him off in college. He didn't start until part of the season, his fifth year, I think it was, or senior year, uh, you know, uh, in Iowa, okay, northern Iowa. And then, of course, he he had to go, he goes to Green Bay, he gets a, a blink there, he didn't get drafted, and they cut him right off the bat. because he, he knew he wasn't ready, but they saw he wasn't ready. He was very conscientious, and he didn't want to do things he didn't do well, and, Anyway, he didn't impress him. They let him go. He ends up in the Arena League, and he, he, he takes him all the way to the championship game in the Arena League, the Iowa Barnstormers. And all this is included in the buildup to ending up with the uh, St. Louis Rams. But uh, the fans, fans, non-football fans and football fans are going to enjoy it because, like I said earlier, it's more a life story. You know, and people are going to be able to identify with it. Talking to Coach Dick Vermeil, who won a Super Bowl with Kurt Warner, an amazing story a little over 20 years ago. Coach, I heard a great story about you and how committed you were to the time that it takes to be an excellent coach. I want to find out if it's true that you and your wife were flying uh, one time and you were watching on on the screen there inside of the, the plane a television show and you were watching it and you were really laughing and you, and you eventually turned to your wife and you were like, man, th- this show is really good. And your wife said, yeah, uh, coach it's, it's Seinfeld. It's one of the most famous shows ever. And you had never heard or seen the television show Seinfeld. Is that a true story? That's true. <laughs> so, so you are committed so much. I mean, I, cause I, I think a lot of people out there who don't spend a lot of time around coaches the amount of hours and the amount of effort and uh, and and focus that it requires to be really good with your team, you almost have to have yeah. blinders on as <laughs> in terms of the larger cultural landscape. Well, you almost hit it right on the nail. I said I was blindly committed to being the best football coach I could be. Blindly committed. And what my problem was, I allowed the passion to become an obsession, and then I, I had to leave the game. I didn't anticipate leaving for 14 years. But I was so fortunate that John Shaw and Georgia Frontier and, and Jay Zygmunt, the Rams organization, wanted me to coach your football team. So I went back after 14 seasons. Best decision, second best decision I probably ever made in my life. So, Coach, what burned you out the first time? Because I think this is such a fascinating question. What burned you out the first time and had you learned by the second time that allowed you to achieve a different level almost of success? Like, what occurred that made you a better coach the second time that you didn't know the first time? The first time I allowed losing to affect me so much. I spent too much time after the loss evaluating why I lost, which interfered for my preparation to prepare my team to play for the next win. And in my own personal evaluation, I could see I wasn't doing a good job after I lost the next one or maybe squeaked out a win. And it just kept snowballing on me. I just couldn't uh you know handle all that kind of stuff after 
seven years as the head coach of the Eagles. And, and people have told me I was pushing myself too hard, and, uh, but I wouldn't listen. When I came back, obviously after 14 years out, I couldn't be my own offensive coordinator. I couldn't be my quarterback coach and call all the plays game day. I was the head coach. But what I had learned to is decide one of the most important things for a leader in an organization to do and then surround yourself with people could do these other things that you don't do because you're you're the leader of the organization and 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 then back them and provide them with in the football you provide them with an organization that supports them properly that gives them the right kind of personnel that that gives a uh, a player a sense of discipline and uh a sense of process and uh, and an excitement about being in the environment he's playing in, and uh, you go from there. But see, I tried to do all that in one shell, all the way through. You know, high school, junior college, college, and then on into the pro football. And I ran out of gas doing that in pro football. And when I went back, I was a better overall leader of the total process and building the culture from the ownership right on through the organization to the the fourth-string player on, on your football team. He's Dick Vermeil. The movie is American Underdog. It is fantastic. Coach, have a great Christmas. We appreciate you taking some time with us this morning. Yeah, well, I, I sure hope the fans take the time to go see it, but it's going to be the best Christmas present they buy themselves. Outstanding stuff. Thanks, Coach. Dime slot on loan from Rush. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough. 
that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Can't recommend highly enough. If you're looking for a good family movie, that American Underdog movie is fantastic. I took my 7-year-old, my 11-year-old, my 13-year-old, my wife also went. Um, Spider-Man, by the way, is out. My kids have been to see Spider-Man too. Uh, And people going back to the movies is an important part of normalcy returning. And I don't know how many of you paid attention to what the box office was but Spider-Man did over $250 million in its opening weekend, which is the biggest amount of opening weekend gross that a movie has done since Avengers Endgame. Second biggest ever for that Spider-Man movie. Why is that significant? Even with Omicron going on, millions of people were willing to go watch the new Spider-Man movie in theaters, including in New York City and L.A., that is an important message that is being sent by the general public. Same general public's been filling up football stadiums. Same general public that's been going to concerts. We're not going to allow the fears of a few, the anxiety-ridden absurdities that many people are going through in order to try and basically show how much more they care about COVID than you do. They're going to triple mask. They're going to wear the shields. They're going to basically be wearing hazmat suits out there in the larger universe. People are over it. Reasonable, rational people are going to live their lives. You can't stay curled up in the fetal position forever. And at some point, you have to stand up and say, your fears don't cancel my freedoms. And I think that's what happened, frankly, with the Spider-Man movie, with football games that are going on. And I hope, by the way, that the Supreme Court is going to be willing to stand up to the Biden vaccine mandates. Brett Kavanaugh has that on his desk right now and say, this is an unconstitutional overreach. OSHA doesn't have the ability to mandate this. And if that occurs from the Supreme Court, particularly in conjunction with the Senate, remember, voted against Biden's vaccine mandate as well, it will send an important message about getting back to normalcy that I believe many people out there are already embracing in their day-to-day life. I also want to take a moment just because this is the last time in 2021 Clay and I will be talking to you together. Obviously, we're already fired up. Next year is going to be huge. Uh, It's going to be an amazing year of just so many things that we know are going to happen, not just in the news and politics and, and who knows where all this stuff is going right now. We just want to say thank you to all of you who have been with us for about uh, six solid months at this point, tuning into the Clay and Buck show. Uh, you all, you are Rush's extended family, and you have embraced us as one of yours. And we so greatly appreciate the uh, the affiliates that have put their faith behind us and lent Rush's audience to us for this period of time to prove ourselves and to carry on those fights. I mean, Clay, it's awesome, especially when I get down into some of the uh, some of the the redder parts of the country. The Clay and Buck show, we've got great people all over the place. No doubt. And you and I had never done a show together before. Uh, So Julie Talbot brought us together. She knew how important Rush was and what his legacy was and how much his audience 
needed people who would continue to fight for him. We know how what a tremendous privilege it is to be able to do this job every day, and we have had a tremendous amount of fun in the first six months, and 2022 is going to be one of the most important elections of any of our lives. And I know that's a cliche, but it's really true, especially for a midterm, and we are going to help make sure that sanity wins and we kick some ass, and I can't yeah. wait to get rolling in 2022. I think we can get big wins for freedom next year that you will feel folks that will matter to you that will be meaningful the fights we're talking about here it's not just theoretical it's not just philosophical this is about your day-to-day and about the country we're going to be living in going forward and clay and i promise you this unsinkable aircraft carrier freedom right here on the clay and buck show on the front lines with all of you bringing you everything you need to know day in and day out and uh clan i just want to say thanks again to all of you merry christmas to all thanks for listening you're listening to clay travis and buck sexton on the eib network more than a movie is back with season two i'm your host alex fumero and each week i'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies from the godfather andy garcia he has the smarts of Vito, the temper of sunny the warmth of fredo and the coldness of michael to the legend behind la bamba lou diamond phillips when i walked in i didn't think i had a shot at richie because john stamos's picture was already up on the wall listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.